Hello and welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am flying solo this week on the podcast for this very special bonus edition because we have a very special guest coming up in just a moment. It's the one and only writer and director and lead star of Thunder Road, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and... Now, his latest film, co-directed and co-written with PJ McCabe, Mr. Jim Cummings. So if you listen to this podcast for a long time, then you know that I was a really big fan of Thunder Road when it came out. I think I was a couple years removed from my own father passing away. And yeah, it just hit me at the right time because it deals with the grieving over the loss of his mother um, and also just dealing with uh, his own battles with alcoholism, which is something my father also dealt with as well. Uh, so yeah, Jim Cummings kind of taps into that a little bit. Pretty much every film he's done so far, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and even now with his latest film, The Beta Test. So I was pretty excited to hear The Beta Test was coming out. Uh, when I had a COVID a few months back, I was in Glasgow. I managed to get a screener of this film, and it was really fun to watch. Uh, it's very different than anything he's done so far. It's a little bit more of a, a thriller, um, techno thriller, erotic horror. If you're a fan of things like Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, or if you like Brian De Palma's films like Body Double or something like that, you'll probably dig this film. It's very weird and interesting, and it's like a character that really gets in over his head. And also, Jim does something kind of funny in a lot of his films where he plays a cop. Now, he doesn't necessarily play a cop in the beta test, but he sort of pretends he's a cop. And it's something I had to pick at him a little bit and ask him about. Um, Because it was kind of a funny thing. And then also, you know, he's in Halloween Kills and he plays a fucking cop. So, yeah, (laughs) I had to ask him about his what I've dubbed the alcoholic cop trilogy. Um, So, yeah, it's a very fun interview coming up. Uh, So I'll give you a little background of what kind of happened around the time that Jim was supposed to be coming to the Prince Charles Cinema. And I got this interview with him. Uh, So, yeah, we had the beta test planned. And also while we had the beta test planned, we had a screening of The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which was the first time we'd ever shown it. And Jim happened to be in Europe at the time because he was uh, promoting his new film, The Beta Test, around Europe. And then he was coming to the UK. And when he was coming to the UK, he was doing a number of different Q&A screenings around London. And he was scheduled in to come do two back-to-back Q&A screenings with us at the Prince Charles. Uh, He managed to come in early for The Wolf of Snow Hollow. So he came in and did a quick little uh, intro for that. So if you were there for that, you were lucky. Because a couple of days later, just literally the day before he was due to come uh, do our Q&A events, he tested positive for COVID-19. And it was the first time I was ever uh, asked to do like a host a Q&A session. Um, so I was pretty stoked for it, but also kind of I had a lot of nerves and anxiety going on at the time because I was like, oh, man, I've, I've you know, I've hosted events before, like we've done our live show before and I'm, you know, I'm used to being on stage. It's not that big of a deal, but it was the whole thing of just like interviewing someone that you like really respected and liked a lot and you're interested in their work and stuff. Yeah, it just kind of gave me a bit of a bundle of nerves. And then when Jim came down with COVID, it was so deflating. It was like, oh, no. But then we worked it out that uh, he was still going to appear, but via Zoom. And that added to my anxiety like crazy because I was just like, what if something goes wrong? Like, what if, you know, Jim's late or the computer's not working or the Internet lags out or whatever and the show gets ruined? 
And I had all these like horrible thoughts in my mind, like the worst case scenarios, but it was all stupid and it was all for nothing because it all (laughs) went by perfectly fine and easy. And Jim was a fucking superstar. He had like a 104 degree temperature. I don't know. He he was, you know, that's Fahrenheit. So that's if you're listening to this from the UK and you're used to Celsius, I don't really know how that translates. I still haven't figured it out. I've been here for like a number of years and I still don't know. But he was, yeah, he, had a, he was very feverish, let's say that. And Jim uh, was there on time, like every time. And he even did this awesome podcast during one of the screenings with us. So I was so stoked for all that. And he was amazing. So I can't thank him enough. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about the beta test. So it's dubbed as a scathing satire of outdated Hollywood sleaze, rampant consumerism, and an adulterous horror story for a hyper-connected digital generation. So Jim Cummings' new techno thriller, The Beta Test, will have you looking over your shoulder, trusting nothing and no one. A couple of weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail inviting me to a no-strings-attached sexual encounter in a hotel room. It's pretty card, looked official. I don't know, I was stupid. I went. What? Dude, this is nuts. I'd wear a blindfold, but the woman, I can't even tell you. Wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? Hold on. Wait, this is really happening? You really did this? In this climate? Dude, this could be anybody. All those clicks, all those likes from then, all the way till now, that's all been saved by these companies. It's the ultimate clickbait, thirst trap. Now I'm suspicious of everyone. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's my wife. Are you doing this to me? No. Be honest with me. I am honest. This is not one of your fake relationships. I am your fiance. Engage with me. Okay. Hey, there he is. Hi. My name is Jordan Hines. I'm an ex-lieutenant. I never come down here. My rent is always on time. I'm one of those guys you never have to worry about. I didn't complain when people started Airbnb-ing out their apartments or when the hot tub was cold for a month. I'm not uncomfortable. My clients enjoy spending time with me. How are you going to look tomorrow when you come in? How are you going to convince me today that you're better at your job tomorrow? Jack. The beta test follows Jordan who's Jim Cummings, a soon-to-be-wed Hollywood agent who receives a mysterious invitation for an anonymous, no-strings-attached erotic encounter. After letting the temptation get the better of him, Jordan finds himself swallowed in a world of lies, murder, and digital hell. It goes without saying, we're huge fans of Jim Cummings here at the Prince Charles Cinema. It turns out that we're like the only cinema, I believe, that's shown all three of us his films so that's thunder road which we showed on 35 millimeter and he was here at the prince charles cinema for that which i missed out on so i was so excited for this whole event with the beta test just to kind of be there hear him talk because if you follow him or if you know anything about him you know that he's one of the most like positive uh filmmakers out there who's just really trying to push the next generation of filmmakers and try to tell people like you know you just need to kind of make these uh, moments happen yourself. Just do it yourself. You know, just make your own opportunities happen. And you kind of never know what will come from that. So it's it's kind of awesome. He's really like a breath of fresh air, like uh, in Hollywood, of someone who's like kind of on the outskirts of it and just kind of making things happen himself. When he was here in the past doing Thunder Road, I mean, I heard a lot of 
nice things about him. And it basically reminded us a lot of Kevin Smith, you know, and he was just really going above and beyond to push people to reach their dreams of filmmaking. So we were super excited to have him back, even if it was via Zoom. And it was amazing. And I can't thank him enough for joining us on the podcast. So without any further ado, here's Mr. Jim Cummings. How's it going, Jim? Are you doing all right? I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. It's like horrible timing, but you know, when is it ever good timing to have to deal with your, <laughs> what you're dealing with? No, man. Yeah, it's it's tough. So I am double vaccinated uh, and I, I tested positive, I guess, uh, two months ago and then quarantined for 10 days. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Really? And then coming yeah. to the UK... I was like, I feel feverish. This is a little strange. And then tested positive yesterday, the day the movie came out in movie theaters across the UK. Yeah. Terrible timing. Um, so I came out here to go and show the movie off and um, and answer questions and meet people. And now I'm having to do this digitally again. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's weird, though, that you got it twice. Like, yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, thing, but I guess maybe there's the different strain right around here in the UK. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was telling you earlier that yeah, I was stuck in I was in Glasgow visiting family because you know I'm living here in London and you know my wife has all of her family up in Glasgow and we were up there and it was like literally three days before I was supposed to go and I just started to feel feverish and I was like oh no oh yeah. no took a test and immediately yep positive took another immediately positive and then had to go get a PCR and I was stuck for 10 extra days. So, yeah, but I had your new film to keep me company, which was really nice. <laughs> That's right. We, we, we traded spots. We did the dosey do now. I'm, I'm out here showing yeah. off the movie and um, yeah, you, you jinxed it. It's terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beta test. It's a crazy movie. It is a, it is a movie that like I feel like is best watched with a crowd because all it takes is yeah. one person laughing and then everybody laughs. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like you enjoyed it all by yourself too. Oh, definitely, it was really fun. I mean, I will start off by saying that uh, I I'm a huge fan of Thunder Road um, and the podcast in general was when it came out a couple years ago. We were all super super excited for it and uh, like when you came, I unfortunately. Missed out because you, if the listeners who are listening to this conversation don't know that Jim actually came to the Prince Charles Cinema for the Thunder Road uh, premiere with uh, a 35 millimeter print and was able to talk to the audience and stuff at that time. Um, but I missed out on that, unfortunately. So it was, it was like I was so excited for you to come back <laughs> and like, get to have this time. But, yeah, you know, we'll too. make do. We'll make do. It's so funny. We had that 35 millimeter print and then, uh, and then we were going to ship it back to Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, the Prince Charles is a 35 millimeter projector. Like, why don't I just, why don't I just keep it here? Why don't I just give it? To-? And then Paul was like, oh my God, would you really, would you give it to us? I was like, yeah, sure. So like, <laughs> gave it to him. Um, and y'all have played now all three of my movies in a way that yeah. I don't think any cinema has ever done that. Y'all oh, really? have been like my champions from the beginning in such a yeah. strange way, which sucks that I can't be there and support <laughs> support y'all uh, in person. That I'm going to have to do these digital Q and A's and everything. Yeah, 
Well, it's going to be fun. The I, I just literally did the intro for the screening just before I popped on with you here. And uh, the audience seemed fun and ready and up for it. And, uh, you know, they, it seemed okay. So we'll, we'll get through it. And I think it'll be fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are just really excited for what you do because uh, Thunder Road just kind of, like, came from nowhere. You know, you, like you know, had your big success with the short film at Sundance and then were able to make the feature, but you've spent a lot of time just like building up your, you know, repertoire of short films and creating like uh, opportunities for yourself to make your own features. And you've stuck in that sort of pocket. And that's given, I think a lot of young people and like for me, I'm not a filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker, but as a content creator here for podcasts and stuff and like a musician, I find it so inspiring. Like, uh, the way you operate as a director and doing your own work and just making your own opportunities happen. I think it's really awesome. Yeah. It's a funny thing where like, I, I don't know many other people who are doing it the way that we are um, really in any other country, but specifically in Europe. Like mm -hmm. I think there are so many people who are filmmakers in Europe who are waiting for the grants or the lotteries and will spend yeah. four years before making anything. Um, and that kind of waiting around, I couldn't tolerate. And so I would just start doing stuff, even if it meant that it was going to be small. Um, and I had good influences growing up. I was buddies with Trey Schultz and seeing how he worked on Cresha, it was like, um, I don't know, it felt like a, a bit of a renaissance of, oh, you can make movies in your backyard yeah. by yourself. But it is funny that kind of our films has become that. And I feel the pressure of that to deliver and make sure that the movie is very good because we are, in many cases, the only proof of life of independent film uh, or like truly independent film that many people have to look up to. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, there's so many times where I'm up super late doing sound design or color correction or you know, the visual effects or whatever it is just to be like, the movie can't be mediocre. It has to be fucking dope because, you know, I've spread the rumor that independent film is possible from your garage and uh, <laughs> yeah, it had yeah. better be fucking possible, you know? Yeah, no, I love it. Cause you're always, I, I, I follow you on Twitter and I see a lot of your stuff where you're saying stuff about like, you know, you've got a, you've got a whole like, you know, like movie studio in your pocket, you know? And that's like, you know, it's awesome to hear people, you know, just, pushing that and saying it is possible to just do your little things here. And then you never know what will come from that. Like, you know, it's like, it just needs the right people to find, you know, like you've, if you create like some awesome art, if you have, you know, something in you that's, uh, you know, that is worth telling a story worth telling and people want to see it. Like, you know, if, if you create it on your phone, you know, you can eventually work your way up to like make it bigger and better once people see that and they believe in you and they want to tap into that talent you have. And I think you've really tapped into that market and it's nice to see because when you were here, like the thing I kept hearing from people who were like uh, listening to you talk um, was that they it just reminded them a lot of like the way Kevin Smith is. Um, I don't know how yeah, you feel sure. about Kevin Smith, but just the way like you're really positive and, um, and uh, really trying to help future generations of filmmakers. Yeah, it's really important to me because 
being an independent filmmaker is one of the most lonely experiences you can have of mm-hmm. always wanting people to take you seriously and then needing these stamps of approval before you actually do anything or take the risk of making something. Um, it's it's very soul crushing. And then yeah. only afterwards, after making something like a short film that you're proud of, do you ever look back and think, oh my God, I've look at that little person I used to be or like mm-hmm. I was I had such inadequacy traps that I was falling into that I wasn't good enough um but yeah I mean as soon as you start making stuff immediately you feel better about you have much more confidence about yourself as a filmmaker um and yourself as a person like it, it's bad I think the film is this language that you have to learn to speak and the more things that you do, the more short films that you put together, the better you are at speaking the language or you, or you realize how you speak the language. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, all of that stuff, like Kevin Smith is such a good example because he's like, he's like, yeah, it's all bullshit. He's just this like funny guy from Jersey. He's like a stoner now. And he's like, yeah, I have no business being a famous filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, and, and he says that a lot of the time. It's like anybody can come in and do this stuff. That's why, that's why the internet is so great because you can make a movie and then put it out into the world and you have no idea who's going to watch it. It could be your yeah. heroes. That's certainly mm-hmm. been my experience. Yeah. I mean, like Phil, like Phil, my co-host, and I, we, uh, we've we been going through all of like Paul Thomas Anderson and uh, Wes Anderson's films, just kind of like tapping back and forth between the two, Anderson versus Anderson, because they kind of start at the same time. They have roughly the same amount of films. And there's a lot of like things where you read about certain actors and stuff that are in their films that are just like, oh yeah, I was in this film. It was on Apple and for some reason, Paul Thomas Anderson saw it and he liked my performance so much, he just plucked me out of it. So it's like that similar sort of thing. You just never really know. You get your stuff out there in a streaming service or something. Someone might see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, our, our movie, uh, it was originally called The Werewolf and then MGM changed it to The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think about it. But Martin Scorsese was flipping through iTunes and saw The Wolf of and was like, oh, The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> And watched it and then was like, oh, I love this movie. And then reached out. I've auditioned for his casting director three times now. Like, you have no idea. You have no idea who's going to watch the film. And and really, we had no business being next to him. But he's a cinephile and had free time over the holidays and happened to watch our movie. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, like, there's a good quote. um, Those who know don't care and those who care don't know. And it's it's yeah. very true. Like most people that you meet who are celebrities who have done this kind of stuff before are very relaxed about it where they, they understand that all of this is bullshit and it's actually just about doing hard work and making stuff with your friends in your backyard. Like um, it's just differently larger backyards for the Andersons, you know? At this moment in time in the interview with Jim Cummings, my internet actually dropped out. It was kind of annoying. Uh, I hadn't been at the cinema in a very long time. And uh, I usually used like a big iMac at the cinema and it was plugged directly into the internet. But because I was using my laptop at the cinema, I was trying to connect via like the Wi-Fi and there's three different Wi-Fis and I kept having dodgy internet connections. So I normally would cut this out, but this was kind of funny because Jim kept recording and he just uh, was saying some funny stuff. And it was kind of like his mindset while he was dealing with his coronavirus and uh, waiting on my unprofessional ass to come back online. He's dipped out. Well, here we are. I'm all by myself. Jonathan's dipped out. 
Recording still in progress. It's 1.15 in the afternoon. I'm in a hotel room in Soho. It's a very nice room. I have a 102 degree fever, but I am a gangster and I am staying up as long as I possibly can to do Zoom Q&As before I collapse. Hello, Jim. Are you there? Hey, I can hear you now. Oh, sorry. Cool. Sorry. I'm so sorry about that. I'm a stupid no. internet connection. <laughs> don't worry about yeah. it. I don't know where we were at last before I got cut off. But uh, uh, You were talking about Kevin Smith, and then I was talking about how uh, anybody, everybody that, that knows how to make movies is just making them with friends in their backyard. It just yeah. once you start to grow bigger, it's just bigger backyards um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bigger friends, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's all bullshit, and everybody who who's making movies at a larger level knows that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that like because I'm like I make music, and you know, I'm 32 now, and I've fucked around in, in London long enough to kind of like know it's usually who you know, and it doesn't really matter most of the time. You know, true talent can find a way, but sometimes it might not find its way for like many years. So you just kind of like got to bullshit your way around to find your proper pockets that you fit into and hope that, you know, one day you'll, you'll see yourself like being a success, but I, it's nice to see that you've so far have like totally gotten into that pocket and, uh, people are really like, you know, I, I know people are just loving the stuff that you're doing. So it's really awesome to have you on here and talk to you. Cause it's like, to be honest, like Thunder Road was like, an incredible film for me like when i saw it it completely blew me away i guess like i saw the trailer and i didn't i purposely didn't watch the short first because i knew that you uh had basically that opening monologue was like yeah. um was just recreated in the film but yeah. i went back after and watched it and it's just it's wonderful i love that it just started <laughs> that way and you know it's just like that one single take and then just goes from there and you kind you get everything you know you're gonna get like out of that film from that opening monologue and it's like it sets the tone so nicely and i think it hit me at the right time as well because like my father had passed away just a few years before oh, and no. seeing it it was just like it really like hit me in that like you know in the fills man like it was just like oh man this is like kind of how i felt about things and like the you know going through things and um dealing with those moments and all that and uh you you also have a bit with your your film's characters who are dealing with i mean there's a lot of loss but also like alcohol issues as well and my father was also an alcoholic so it just i think it was just doubling down on that and it was just like, oh man and it was like really 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 nice to see and i absolutely loved it so i just want to oh. say thanks for that like because it's awesome well, thank you loved it thank you so much yeah. yeah it's a it was a very strange movie where like i i realized um you know most people don't talk about that stuff, especially in cinema, because they're going to deter audiences. Mm. I guess despair, I think, is the, <laughs> is, yeah. the is the feeling that they don't want people to feel. Um, but then to make a film that's a comedy about despair um, mm. is really relatable, I feel like, to audiences. So that, that film kind of accidentally became this lightning rod for me for sad and lonely people, especially the short film. Um, and so I wrote this line into the, a new line into the opening monologue of the feature, which mm -hmm. talks about Roy Orbison, who's like a huge influence on, on Bruce Springsteen, 
He says, uh, Roy Orbison used to sing songs for sad and lonely people so they wouldn't feel sad and lonely anymore. And then, like, <laughs> in doing it, it's like, yeah, that's the whole point of artwork is, like, to do this. and Or, or rather, like, great artwork is to do that, to help people and give them ammunition who are going through hell. Um, and that film, I, I don't feel like I've I've been able to hit that hard. Or, or I, rather, I've dodged it. Like, I've done these kind of out-and-out comedies instead because I watched the feature of Thunder Road um, you know, a few years ago, and I was like, Jesus Christ, why did that make it so sad? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'll get back to that. There's this one film that I really want to do that's a beautiful film. It's like a love letter to movies, um, which I think will be just as emotional and just as beautiful. But the, I don't know, most of my other films are just kind of like angry comedies now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's great though, because you, you, like, I, you know, just the other night, that was the first time I got a chance to watch uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow um, when you were here at the cinema and yeah. uh, did the little intro. So it was like great to see, and it's like has similar vibes and then um, super fun, a lot more like, you know, fun. It, you, you took the side. I mean, there's still like a very sad and, you know, miserable character. Um, yeah like in there but it, it's a bit away from jimmy arnold and then you know now with the beta test like it's very like you you got another sort of it, it like you have a lot of the characters that are just so out of the depth and it's like that's so relatable you know it's like you know yeah. i'm i'm not a fucking cop or anything but like you know it's like you know what it's like to i guess almost have imposter syndrome you know what i mean like it's that yeah. feeling of like just you're trying to keep it together and everybody's like lying on you or hoping that you're gonna like you know have all the answers but you're just you're just as clueless as they are and i love that that sort of dynamic you have with those characters yeah yeah with wolf of snow hollow so we screened it at the prince charles the first time that it screened in the cinema i hadn't really seen it in a cinema before um Mm -hmm. which is crazy because it came out during it was october of 2020 um but uh but yeah, it it really does well with a crowd. Like it's a, I forget that it's a that it's a comedy, um, and that people kind of get the jokes throughout. But yeah. yeah, that that movie was just about stress to me, and like dealing with um, having to be a diplomat while going through so much stress, which is exactly what it's like to be a filmmaker of like having these big teams and um, dealing with you know roving bits of incompetence, and then yeah. the stress of just like just do your job. Like I just let me do the job. Then if you're not gonna do it, yeah. just get out of the way. Like that kind <laughs> of stress was so funny to me. Um, of like watching this guy lose his mind and be a complete asshole to the people around him um, was alcoholism to me. Of yeah. Like it is it is this werewolf uh, disease of watching you know someone do something stupid that they hate about themselves. Uh, once a month and then have to apologize to everybody and themselves uh, only to do it again. Uh, and um, yeah, it was it was kind of this perfect thing that I, I realized I was going to be able to do. Um, and I'm very lucky. I, I succeeded with the Thunder Road feature. And then because I was able to tell a story over 90 minutes that was successful, a studio came along and said, yeah, we'll, we'll green light another one. Um, but then after that one, I immediately raced towards doing another independent film. So the beta test we raised... Uh, the funds entirely through the internet, and it wasn't had nothing to do with Hollywood, which was important yeah. I remember, I remember you uh, trying to get funding during that uh, process. Uh, it was short. I guess it was shortly. I mean, because you worked you worked really quickly on these couple like couple of features. They just like all kind of came out really quick, and obviously like the beta test got pushed back because of COVID and stuff. But did you have beta tests like filmed and stuff before COVID? Because I know you were yeah. working on editing and stuff during COVID, yeah. right? 
Yeah, so we, we shot the beta test in November and December of 2019. So mm-hmm. we, we just missed COVID, which is amazing. Um, yeah. I don't think the movie would have happened had we shot it in March. I think it would have been pushed and pushed and pushed. Still would be. Um, I haven't shot anything since the beta test. I've been super safe. Um, so, yeah, we we were in the edit on The Wolf is No Hollow, and I realized I probably wasn't going to get Final Cut, and I really wanted to do the beta test. And I really wanted to prove that you could do this crowd equity thing for independent film and raise the funds through the internet instead of going through the conventional Hollywood systems. And mm-hmm. we raised the funds in 12 days. So there was like huge <laughs> overlap between Wolf of Snow Hollow and the beta test where I was delivering and coloring uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. And then, you know, in the evenings, I was doing meetings with the Vanishing Angle team about how to start, you know, location scouting for beta and everything and then we shot it in 18 days um in november and december 15 days in november three days in december for all of the like lake arrowhead terrence malick style montage in the film um and it was just very easy like having pj as my co-director it just flew by because we i had never had a co-director before so yeah anybody could come up to him and ask a question about what prop should be in the scene and I didn't have to think about it. It was really wonderful. Um, so yeah, we, I felt like very spoiled that I was able to make this goofy <laughs> comedy uh, about agencies and <laughs> sex yeah. with my best friend, um, which I'd never been able to do before. Yeah, I was wondering how the whole, because uh, I, I, I did spot PJ in Wolf of Snow Hollow during the interrogation yeah. scenes. Yeah. And uh, so it was nice to see that. And then uh, now like, you know, he's co-directing, co-writing, and uh, co-starring in the beta test with you. Um, and I was, yeah, I was going to ask you how that was. So it's nice to hear that it was like really cool to like have someone there to just kind of help take the stress off. Um, it must have been better, I guess, obviously seeing that you're starring in the film and you have to be on screen so much that like you yeah. can have someone there to help like the directing side because like it yeah. must be so stressful if you're doing both at the same time. Totally. Oh, it's every possible stress doing everything at once um, and all by yourself. Uh, No, with PJ and I, I was a producer on a film called 13 Cameras in 2014, and he's the star of the film, and I play his best friend, who's like the smaller character. Um, (laughs) It's on Netflix. It's it's a slasher movie, but it's it's a lot of fun to see the two of us as children acting in this film. Um, Nice. But uh, but no, we had done that kind of thing before of like sharing the screen and um, doing the comedy best friend thing. Um, and then in acting and writing the film, we, we in writing the film, we act it out and we'll just do the whole thing out loud and then record it as a podcast like this. So really, he was already directing the film with me just in writing it. And then in recording it as a podcast, it was like us acting out the parts and then we put in music and sound design and I'd edit it in premiere. So it was kind of like doing an audio version of the film so oh, that then we that. could send that to cast and crew. Yeah, I hadn't heard of anybody doing that kind of thing before. And then I did it on Thunder Road and it just worked really well. We're like, we didn't have to necessarily do, you know, weeks of rehearsal. It was like we could do it the day before and people had already heard what the movie, or at least what I thought the movie was going to sound like um, yeah. before before doing it. And then they were able to elevate, you know, that that stuff to to make it better um all the actors and the crew uh and it was just like a great thing to get everybody involved in in the film and to to hear it at least several times before showing up on set yeah that's really cool like uh my co-host and i phil we got like within i guess it was we were starting to do it a little bit before the pandemic but during the pandemic because we had so much more time we weren't working here at the cinema 
we got really, really meta with certain episodes of the podcast where we would literally <laughs> just parody films and stuff. Like we did a Die Hard episode of Christmas Time and we would just like completely rewrote, like, you know, we rewrote the film and just it cool. actually became like a, almost a film of an episode, you know, because yeah. like, did all the sound design and, uh, you know, like, you know, we were flying out to California. So you had the airplane sounds and yeah. walking through like uh, airports and also got to Nakatomi Plaza. So all the terrorists were breaking, breaking in. It was just insane. And that's like the kind of stuff I like, I like to do. If I had more time, I would do more of it. So it's awesome to hear that you're doing it just to kind of help yourself, like in the pre-production process of your filmmaking. It's really cool. Yeah, it's it's like I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. And then in, in like talking to some people, like Guillermo del Toro will do it, or like Peter Jackson shot parts of Fellowship of the Ring with Little Green Army Men, and it's like of course <laughs> they're doing this. Those movies are so expensive. Of course you need yeah. to have a previs beforehand. But like that really became the power for me, where people can read a script. And most executives have a terrible actor that lives in their head or they can't really get it. But if you can deliver this like audio version of it where they can hear and like and like the, the full cadence and the tone of the film is there, the pacing of mm-hmm. the film is there, it, it's much easier for them to, to say, oh, this is going to work. I don't have to give shitty notes. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So with the beta test, I, I really I really enjoyed it when I got to see it. It's like uh, it was really nice to see how. I guess you dipped your toes in a little bit of horror with uh, it's sort of like a whodunit horror film with um, yeah, sure. Wolf of Snow Hollow. But now with like beta tests, it's like it gets really like, you know, total techno thriller, erotic thriller. It's got like De Palma-esque vibes, in my opinion. Sure. Like, you know, it's like but because, you know, De Palma is like pretty funny at times, but also like just really like gripping and erotic and like you know it's like a Hitchcock sort of vibe as well like you know uh just trying to like someone just getting really deep in something in over their head trying to figure out what's going on and that like Jordan's like just really lost in this madness around him and he's just can't figure out like what happened where this these envelopes are coming from like there's people turning up dead it's it's really insane it's a kind of fun (laughs) like paranoia like blitz of a film you know it's really cool yeah, a blitz is a good term for it. It's like everything is happening all at once. And it's yeah. like, it's just nonstop in a weird way of like, yeah, there's never really a breath once you get watching. It feels like uncut gems or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. But but yeah, it's, uh yeah, the poor guy. And then like throughout the film, I, the other thing is like, it's just about shame. It's about this guy who like, you know, wants to sleep with someone before he's married to the love of his life. And then gets this letter in the mail inviting him to a sexual encounter anonymously. And it's just this brilliant kind of visual metaphor for temptation. And, um, you know, it happens all the time. You know, everybody's tempted and um, and it's it's a, just a, a normal human thing. But then to watch an idiot do it, immediately the audience is like, oh, thank God, I would never do something like that. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's a, it's almost like a, a warning, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, cautionary tale. Yeah, cautionary <laughs> like, oh, tale I, I, sure. I don't want to look like an idiot like this guy. So I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, maybe I won't sleep with that girl. Yeah. Well, there's something I, I immediately told Paul, uh, shout out Paul. That's the thing we do on this podcast, our, our <laughs> uh, pr- programmer here at the Prince Charles Cinema. So like I said, uh, I had COVID and I was given a screener link. I hope that's okay. Um, I didn't send it to anyone or <laughs> yeah. tell anyone about it, but I watched the film, uh, quite early and, um, yeah, as soon as I was done, he was like, oh, did you watch uh, Beta Test? And I was like, yeah, like, it's really cool, man. It's really a weird one. Like, and Jim, like, yeah. God, 
your freakouts are incredible in all your films. I love, <laughs> uh, I love the freakouts. But like, there was something that I noticed. I was like, this is like his alcoholic cop trilogy. It's um, sure you're, you're you're not a cop in the beta test, but you tell but a lot I of people you are. But I say I'm a cop are. a couple of times, and it, yeah, it's kind yeah. of funny. Where like most people, yeah. that's like a huge part of the conversation on film Twitter is like, oh, Jim's making a new movie. Does he play a fucking cop in it? And then uh, <laughs> I knew that that was happening. That that conversation yeah. was already happening when we greenlit the movie. Uh, and then uh, there's a couple of lines in the film where like I'm talking to somebody and I'm like I need to see security camera footage and also I'm a police officer and I would just like fit that in <laughs> like he's not a police officer but I just wanted people to be like oh Jesus Christ what this is guy. he doing <laughs> yeah, it's really funny no I, I do like it and then you also you've uh, recently just were I mean it's just come out and I haven't had a chance to see it but Halloween Kills you oh yeah you play a cop in that proper too, right? cop in Haddonfield <laughs> yeah yeah Haddonfield Police Department yeah yeah yeah, it came out yesterday, same day as uh, as uh, the beta test. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of funny. We're like, people, I didn't tell anybody that I was in it. We shot it two years ago, um, yeah. but I didn't tell anybody on purpose because I wanted my friends to go, Jesus Christ, why, how the fuck did you get in this movie? And um, <laughs> and it kind of worked. It's funny. Like People went into thinking that they were going to watch a, a Halloween movie, and then I show up and ruin everything. Um, <laughs> but no, it's really funny. It's uh, I, I had two good jokes in it, and um, and they stayed in. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm, I'm out of that film it's really beautiful nice. it's a really insane big movie but i'm such a i'm such an apologist for for halloween and david gordon green i fucking love that movie yeah well, i'm i'm absolutely looking forward to seeing it i really enjoyed uh this sort of new take with the 2018 version yeah so i'm, I'm excited to see you know it, you know jamie lee curris is incredible and yeah. i mean i'm a i'm a huge halloween fan in general um all, all of the films i i absolutely loved uh Maybe not Rob Zombie's versions as much, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the original, the original uh, series. Uh, absolutely, I'm apologist for all the, the yeah, yeah. even the bad sequels. I love them. Um, yeah, but yeah, you were born on Halloween, right? I was. It's my birthday. Yeah, yeah. So that must be fun if you're like getting to be in Halloween. You always had. I mean, did you did you love horror films growing up? Because you got a little yeah, bit of horror influence. I did. Like, in I your did. Films? Yeah, Halloween's my favorite holiday, not just because it's my birthday, but like there is this kind of spookiness in the air and everybody kind of like agrees that spookiness is great for this whole month. And um, and it's just really wonderful to to go around my neighborhood and there's just briskness in the air and the leaves yeah. are getting blown. It's a, there's something to um, the October season that is just my absolute favorite. And so I grew up watching all kinds of horror movies. Um and uh, yeah, but it was never, it was very rarely like slasher films. I feel like I wasn't allowed to watch that stuff. But for some reason, <laughs> I was able to watch like Rosemary's Baby growing up. Oh, God. And that That's was, like almost worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, much worse. Oh, it's, it's much terrifying worse. Terrifying film. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being, being raped by the devil is a very, yeah. Yeah, very, very un, uncool to show that to an 11 year old. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Like I ended up watching the like top hundred AFI's like top hundred horror films um, because I was just a nerd, and there was a blockbuster down the street, and so I was able to rent like ten DVDs at a time and um, burn through them. And that really became my early film school education was just having a library card and like going to blockbuster. And uh, this is like pre-internet, kind of. This is like pre. I graduated from high school in 2005, so I think YouTube came out in 2004. So yeah, it was still around relatively that time. early, early, early. Yeah, God, I remember those days. Uh, like YouTube just being a thing. Someone like your friend tells you, "Oh, there's this website called YouTube. You can just watch stuff." And then like, yeah. you just start typing in things, and you get all this stuff, and you're like, "Holy shit!" It still didn't have everything, but now you go, and it's like everything's on there. 
Yeah, it's like it's I remember insane. There was this um there was this uh news article about Reed Hastings, the CEO of um Netflix. And when Netflix was a DVD by mail service uh and a, and a slight streaming service, they reached out to Blockbuster and said you can buy us for four million dollars, eight million dollars. And they said, no, we're not interested. And that year, they bought two mom and pop video stores for the same amount. Um, I think one was in Washington to turn them into blockbusters. And it's like, that was the dumbest decision <laughs> yeah. ever, looking yeah. back. Crazy. Yeah, I, I remember those times. That was like insane. It's just like, are you are you serious? They they seem pretty popular, man. That yeah. place is like bigger and bigger. Now I'm sure they definitely wish they had taken that deal. But um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know we we do have to do a Q and A soon, and uh, I also don't want to strain you too much because I know you are feeling ill. But um, I do have something I wanted to show you, so I'm going to turn on my video real quick um, so I can show you this. All right, so one thing as the other day when I was standing outside and you came up um, with Paul and you commented on my tote bag, hey, so yeah. we have a tote bag for you that we're gonna. I want to try to get to you somehow. Oh, this, thank you. This yeah. tote bag here, if you can see. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then also something. This is gonna. This is kind of a little thing for our listeners. Um, back before the pandemic happened, we had planned to do a little award show for the 2019 film season heading into 2020. So it was going to be early 2020, and it was going to be called the Pod Charlies. Um, and <laughs> we had quite a few different awards going out and stuff. And you were up for quite a few things. A lot of how it worked was a lot of the films that were um, for running, were, like for awards were films that played at the Prince Charles Cinema. So Thunder Road was one of the big new releases that year and a lot of people loved it. And you actually performed pretty well in most of the polls, the audience polls for like best actor, best director and all that sort of stuff. But you did win um, best newcomer. And my... Really? My... Uh, thing that I wanted to do like in person and it kind of like sucked that I couldn't do this in person now but um was like I wanted to present you something because you were the only person that I felt like I could with your close connection to the cinema I did originally intend to like try to get you on the podcast ages ago but the show never happened because plans changed for the pandemic but you did win best newcomer wow. and I've, I've got a oh plaque my for god you. that's me and it's me doing the, the the peace signs wow 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 that's beautiful i'm honored best newcomer yeah i want to get you this somehow i don't know how but if we can somehow coordinate that <laughs> you know it'll be great because uh yeah i got this made up for you because i just like i was like oh i'm gonna speak to him be that's lovely very kind just Thank give you, you a proper award I'm absolutely honored. That's really cool. The only recipient of such awards. So wow, <laughs> I'm honored. Yeah. yeah, you were you were really top dog there in the like the best newcomer because you just kind of came from nowhere and uh, you know really just like won people over. Thunder Road like was absolutely hit here at the cinema and people loved Anybody it. Anybody can and, do it. Anybody yeah. can do it. I think that's very important. Like. I was a producer for six years before writing and directing anything, but I had such ambition to do something really good that like, I'm glad I was nobody. And really that was why Sundance kind of picked us because we were good candidates. 
um, they're a film festival based on discovering new people. Like discovery yep. is in all of their like mantras and stuff. And uh, during the award speech, Keegan-Michael Key was the lead juror. And he said, uh, we stalked your IMDb page and we were shocked that we didn't see anything. And it's like, that was actually paid, played to my advantage in a crazy way of like, you were a fucking nobody. And so because of that, we loved your film even more, which is crazy. That's amazing. And it can come from a better person, like people like Keegan-Michael Key and good God, Jordan Pill, like, holy crap. (laughs) Amazing filmmakers. Yep. So what's what's kind of stuff do you have as we're closing up here uh, for the future that you uh, are either able to talk about or things you want to do like um, acting more acting like solo acting I ventures think so. or yeah. yeah I mean David Gordon Green called me and said um, would you want to act in the Halloween thing and I said yeah of course and and, mm. um, and that was a really good idea I'm glad that I'm I'm really really glad that I did that um, and I think I'll probably do more of that but nobody really asks me really uh, nobody really knocks on my door um, and then. I'm writing something with PJ that's a Victorian horror kind of like buddy comedy that's really beautiful and poignant. It's a bit of a romance film as well. Um, but nice. it takes place in America in the Victorian era. And um, it's really beautiful. And we're like researching that as much as possible and then trying to get a first draft done by the end of the year. But who knows? And that's the other thing of like making something that's a big period film. It'll be the the first time we have to knock on somebody's door and say, "Hey, give us a give us a bunch of money. Trust us. We'll we'll do something <laughs> yeah. really good." Yeah. Well, I think you've started to put together a really nice resume for yourself and um, some really awesome acting performances in films that you are making yourself, and that's a big juggle. So, like, I think you know it's going to catch on before too long, and you'll. I'm, I've, I can't. I can't imagine people not wanting to give you acting roles because you're like I really do <laughs> love your work, and you're oh, often like just really. I get your, yeah, it's just fun to watch. You always deliver some really awesome moments in films. And yeah, I really, I really like what you do. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me. Well, Jim, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go because we've got like, I don't know, about half an hour, 40 minutes or so until the Q&A. So I just, yeah, once again, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm going to go sleep for the next half hour in that case. Yeah. <laughs> I'm have a sweaty sure. sleep. all right guys that was it uh once again i just want to thank jim cummings for coming on the podcast it was a great time once again he was a trooper just the entire time you know he was there the whole time he did two q a screenings with us um did this podcast uh and yeah it was just a hundred percent on point the whole time he had a blast we had a blast so yeah it was great uh, if you like Jim Cummings, if you like what you hear from this interview, if you don't already follow him, go to at Jimmy C. That's me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, he's very good on Twitter. He'll always kind of do these really cool discussions and, um, you know, where you'll talk to people and sort of like these Q&A formats, you know, sort of like live conversations. And he'll also do things like post sort of inspirational sort of things and also give you kind of an update of what he's doing at the certain times when he's doing it. So you kind of can follow along. Like when he was making the beta test, you could really just kind of follow along the steps that he was kind of going through. You kind of knew when he was editing things or whatever it was. So yeah, he's a really cool follow. So definitely go follow him. Jimmy C, that's me on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, if you missed the beta test when it was screening in cinemas, it is now available and streaming on Apple, I believe both in the UK and the USA. So definitely go check it out there because it's a really fun film and yeah support jim cummings thanks so much for listening to this i really hope we can do more of these things in the future 
I always really enjoy having like special guests like this. Um, we're not really like a guest podcast because uh, it's usually just Phil and I or Ariane and I or all three of us just kind of doing things, um, which is kind of the format I really like for this podcast. But I do really like talking to people like a Jim Cummings or a, like a Bruce Campbell or, or Kevin Smith or something like that, just to give you guys something different than we normally do. So yeah, hopefully we'll have some more coming up very soon. I've got a couple of things lined up uh, that I'm kind of hoping will happen over the next few months. So just keep a lookout for that. As always, you can follow us at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can pop us an email, podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. I'm tall for all, T-A-L-L, the number four, A-L-L, on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, we're sitting here talking about young filmmakers and filmmakers trying to make things happen for themselves and inspiring young filmmakers to make these opportunities happen. Our boy Phil, here, my co-host on this podcast each and every week, is trying to make his first feature happen. It's a film called The Regulars. It's about his experiences of working at the Prince Charles Cinema, and it will hopefully be filmed at the Prince Charles Cinema this coming May. So he's got a Indiegogo campaign going right now to help fund the film. If you've not seen it yet, head over to Indiegogo. Uh, the link will be in the description of this episode. Uh, check it out. There's a cool little video sort of can give you an idea of what the film's about and also like, you know, the kind of humor that will come in the film. And also, yeah, if you can, donate. Donate to support that. Uh, just like, you know, you can donate to support this podcast, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Each and every week we give you uh, early episodes and for $5 and up backers we'll give bonus episodes hopefully every month sometimes a little less sometimes we might do more but yeah patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast follow Phil's project at the regulars film on Twitter check out the Indiegogo support Phil um, as always we love you guys thanks for listening to this little bonus episode we'll get back to our normal regularly scheduled programming next week bye this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.